everybody. Welcome to another episode of Innovation Crush. My name is Chris Denson, at Densonology. I've been told I don't shout out my Twitter handle enough, so I'm, I'm doing it today. Big yourself up. Chris. Yes, big up, big up, big up, big up. Um, and to my left, I have a great co-host today by the name of Susan Tia. Did I say that right? <laughs> yes, Susan Tia. Tia. Um, which means steel. Which means steel. Not to steal from people, but steal like the material. Iron, yeah. Yes, iron. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for coming today. This is awesome. I'm glad you were able to make it. Thank you, and for, thank you for inviting me. I'm from uh, Colorado originally. I moved here about 11 years ago. I uh, worked in creative uh, entertainment marketing for about... Uh, 10 years, so um, yeah. Yeah, well, a really awesome firm. Uh, who shall we remain unnamed, or can they be named? Uh, you can call them Trigger. Trigger! Um, Trigger's a really awesome company, one of my favorites, so I'm glad you were able to make it. Thank you so much. Um, and across from me, the man of the hour, uh, Amos Pizzy, am I saying that right? Yeah, no? okay. like the, the hour, I get one hour, that's good. Yeah, yeah. man for the hour. We can, we can go, yeah, we can do <laughs> It'll be a long hour, trust me. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, uh, you're 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 definitely a uh, a bubbly personality, but, but give us a little. You know, give us a little bit of the 101. Um, I know some stuff that I've read and and have learned. I know you know you're the co-founder of uh, Talent House, yeah, which is just making a huge splash in the industry. Um, but I know you have a background in music, just you know, super eclectic, artistic, mm-hmm. um, and Talent House. I just love the way they support. Artist. Artistic talent, Absolutely. right? So, um, just you know, first off, I guess, uh, how did music happen for you? Let's let's go back to to some of the roots. Well, it's an interesting reverse story, as you're saying, because obviously, uh, as the the founder and chief creative officer of Talent House, the mission of our company is to create life changing opportunities for the next generation of talent. We are here purely to serve artists right. and obviously there's a very clear business model in that which benefits both the brands who sponsor the artists and the artists themselves but the focus does tie into my my youth you're absolutely right I'm an old man now so <laughs> uh, you know it's, it's going back a long way but uh, I'm 46 so when I was about 13 uh, one of my extended family and it's probably worth getting into this so it's, that was it's great. strange we have time right. you're the man okay. of the hour well, let, let's try and make it make sense <laughs> okay so my mother was a, 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 a an amazing woman who founded the first refuge for domestic violence to protect women against violence men in 1973 the first one in the world in England wow and went on to open over a hundred of them around the world spoke in parliament changed the laws in our country was actually jailed for a period and pardoned by the Queen. She was an incredible person. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Why was that important to her? Was there like was she had she had a, a turbulent childhood. Mm. A very brilliant father who was a working class guy who rose through the ranks to become a diplomat, and a, a, a very affluent mother. I never met my grandparents on her side, but there was a lot of violence in there and right. a lot of craziness. And I think what happened is it was almost accidental. Many years later. Uh, I was probably three or four at the time when she was married with my father who was a, a TV presenter and then went on to be an investigative journalist to uh, 40 Minutes, the 60 Minutes well, okay. version in the UK, that kind of guy, smart guy. 20 less minutes though. Uh, 20 less minutes, a bit like the time I have on your show. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, there's a 40 minute angle here, you know. It's funny though, because three minutes can mean a lot in the right hand. But anyway, let's skip from that and get back to the point. <laughs> so basically, I think that she came into a situation where a woman asked her for help uh, in a house that she was using for other women to meet and have coffee mornings in. Right. 
And of course, everyone was horrified as they would be and was like, well, there's nothing we can do. And something in her said she had to do something. So she took that woman in. Right. That was in 1973. In 1974, she had a thousand women living in three houses. Wow. And, you know, it was a huge thing that, that led her into direct conflict with the government, Margaret Thatcher at the time, all kinds of problems. Um, and she was an amazing person. And why this is relevant uh, to Talent House is that she believed in this idea of helping people who needed help. And I think most of us understand that. And there's, sure. there's a definite move with the internet uh, towards a collective consciousness, right? Towards doing good things. You yeah. know? Young lady talking about this college thing recently and helping out and each one teach yes. one. And our connectivity makes this possible. So what my mother did, she also had an open house. Shout out to the college tour, by the way. The college tour sounds Woo! amazing, by the way. You got a name for that. That's going to be great. right? So, you know... Look, I'm here because of somebody else. Right. You understand? That's all it is. It's yeah. Like, you know, so what, what, what happened is, so the story makes sense, she had an open house. She fostered from uh, uh, some from remand centers, um, correctional facilities, and some just from local areas for kind of foster brothers for me right. who were of Afro-Caribbean descent. So when I was nine or 10, they were like 15 to 18. Right. And we all lived in my room. There was like four of us. And you can imagine I was extremely culturally confused for like 20 years. I was convinced I was Jamaican. And I grew up. Did you up, have dreadlocks? Yep. <laughs> I can see you in my mind so in, 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 the, yeah, yeah. in your history. Well, it's also it's a different time. You know, that was 1979 to 1980. There was just me with dreadlocks. There wasn't any <laughs> right. crusties. There wasn't any Lollapalooza. When I say there was just me, I spent a great deal of time running from skinheads. That's how I remember the early 80s. Right. Like running towards or away from skinheads. We were backed by the punks. London was a tribal society. It was all split up into groups. My group, Jamaican culture, was part of what's called sound system culture, which was pre-hip-hop. Uh, this was right. before schoolie and all of that. Uh, and obviously, Cool Herc then went from Jamaica to New York yeah. and took the sound system there and teamed up with Flash, and that was the birth of that movement. And it was the same thing for us. We clashed in dance halls, sound to sound, against other sound systems. And I progressed to becoming a singer on those sound systems hmm. in Fluent Patois. And uh, it was quite a gimmick, as you can imagine. And also... But was it a gimmick, or was it It was just it was what you were... Ex- well, to be honest, part brother, of your culture, part you of your personal culture. what it was is the other thing my mother did that I don't advocate, and my children are very educated, is I left school at 10. I was dyslexic. I couldn't write... My half-brothers were bad boys, what you would consider, but they weren't. But, you know, they were looked on a certain way by society, and I went with them. And so no school gave me the 10,000 hours. I don't know if you guys have read Outliers, but all I did was listen to music and practice. We call it toasting. When me was a youth, I used to rub like that <laughs> for hours and hours and hours. I think Susan liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done that for a very long time. <laughs> I don't do that in investor meetings now, but um, uh, I should try. More but <laughs> <laughs> the point of all of this very rambling, shaggy dog story is that I grew up in and around what you call projects, we call council estates. I saw this tremendous flow of talent, street art. That was kind of the birth of hip hop as well, graffiti. But also design, styling, the way people thought. And then the other group that came into my life, which will make sense in a minute, showed me that you could actually take that creativity and do something with it. You were discussing this when I first sat down with you, mm-hmm. young lady here, about photography and art and getting back into it. And there's a tremendous fear in us, all of us, that we can't do this. Right. You know, that it's great and we love it, but what would happen? So the pressure for me was that one of my extended family 
formed the band with a guy that turned out to be Boy George. And George is the guy that is really why Talent House is here. You know, I met him when I was 13, 14. And as he said, I had locks. I looked a certain yeah. way. And he came. As did he around there, dude. Time. He was dressed as a nun in a black habit <laughs> with green hair. <laughs> we were scared shitless of this dude. Like, we were like, so we were like, wow, you know, what is that? And, and we weren't the most liberally minded guys. You know, we were like yardy guys. And he came in and. He just came over to me and he was like, man, you look amazing. And, you know, I've heard about what you're doing because I had a reputation in the dance halls. The sound thing was, right. was a big thing. We were winning and clashing with people. And uh, he said, I'm going to form this band with, with one of the guys, Mikey, bass player, who had kids with my sister. And he was like, uh, we're going to take over the world. I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to take this. If you think about what he did, it was incredibly brave. You know, yeah. it was, you know he, he legitimized all of those people that felt lost. Right. You know, that, that were afraid, that couldn't stand up. And he was like, you can be whoever you want to be. Right. And, you know, I then worked with him for 20 years. And he's an amazing man, but he's fearless. Yeah. You know, he's absolutely fearless. He sees, you know, his variant of liberation for the gay community, he compares to any kind of oppression. And, you know, yeah. he's right. You know, and so this was way back at a time when it was dangerous to look like that. You know, I mean, I was with him when he was attacked on several occasions. Yeah. And he never backed down. You know, he's not an effeminate dude. He's like, what? This is who I am, you know? And I've been very fortunate to have people like that. Yeah. That always showed me that if you are from the heart and you stand true to what you believe and you back it up, you know, eventually walls fall down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, that, you know, that actually, yeah. it, it's funny because I, I had yeah. a note here just of, yeah. as far as like your success to date, right? You seem to really carve a distinct path. Right. Um, in terms of what you've done with Talent House and even some of your earlier uh -huh. ventures, you know, one of the things I was going to say is like, how much of that is you? Right. And how much of that is collected from like you, you mentioned earlier, this collective consciousness of the Always. people you've encountered Always. in your life? Like, you know, there's a that's a great question, man. Thank you. That's I, a really I, deep that was question. one of two pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to get even deeper on page two. Exactly. Let me let me answer. Everybody that. ready to cry? Uh, answer that concisely. None of it is me, right? Right. If you really want to look at your life, look, everything is perception, right? Yeah. And and so many things happen to you in life, but I really believe that the the okay. The difficult thing is this: my perception is an illusion. I can only see through my eyes, right? But really, I'm just moving energy. You, me, this room, everyone in it, everyone on this planet, everyone in this building, everything is energy. So as artists, we learn without knowing how to connect with that energy, right? That's where creativity is. And that energy is what I call God. It's not mm -hmm. a sentient being. It's not going to punish me. It's completely neutral. If I choose to act like a dick, and I say that on this, then yeah. bad things are going to happen to me. Right. And when I move towards good things, good things happen around me. Yeah. So in art, I think we kind of know this from the beginning because when you're first, when you're young and you're creating, you have no idea where you're creating from, right? right. It's just happening. When I was on the sound systems, I would hear music in my head, you know? But am I the sum of every influence? Absolutely. And this is what makes life fascinating yeah. because it's never done. There isn't any point I can reach where I'm like, oh, I did it. It's just like, what's going to happen next? Sitting in this room, connecting with you, I believe we are connected to the energy of God, the power of intention. Yeah. And I think that when you look at what's possible, you know, President Obama, my children are mixed race, right? You know, this, these are wonderful, wonderful things. Yeah. Like mind, you know, I was talking with someone the other day and they were, oh, the president's not doing this. And I was like, the president's a fucking miracle, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. You understand where we are, what's actually happening. The internet 
You know, look what we can do, brother. Yeah. You can do anything you want. And if anyone's listening to this, I'm going to say that again. You can do anything you want. By the way, we're recording. They'll, yeah. they'll listen. All Perfect. 11 people will be listening. All I want to know is <laughs> that people understand that there are no limits, no rules, and no wars. Yeah. You know, and for me, I mean, I have no education. You know, I don't have any of those things, right. which I fully support and I think are really important. I was going to say, it probably frees you in a way, right? Be- because you don't have the construct of this is right, this is wrong, this is the way to do it, this is not the way to do it. it there's a lot of talk about that in terms I think of- one has to be very careful because great education is a wonderful Yeah, I'm not knocking education I mean? altogether, yeah, yeah. but but I mean, just in terms of the way you see the world, there's educated people who see the same the world yeah. the same way you do. Um, but at the same time, there like even to your point, I wrote a, I was mentioning earlier that I, I wrote a note on New Year's, mm-hmm. right, to like, you know, just BCC'd a bunch yeah. of people that I encountered and just thought of during the year. And I and I thanked them all, right? I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I don't get a chance to talk to you all, but I, I'm going to thank you because I've walked away with a piece of your personal yes. experience right. and existence uh-huh. and the things that I do. Like, you, you just went on, like, some yoga went, extravaganza. Yeah. I quit my job and went to Costa Rica the next day. So I went to a yoga tr- retreat uh-huh. in uh, Costa Rica and Montezuma uh-huh. and just, you know, finding my spiritual self again and mm-hmm. figuring out, you know, what I want to do, who I am. Mm-hmm. Because for years I've been, uh, you know, I went to college because my parents told me to. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do fashion and my parents said, no, you're going to do computer engineering. Mm-hmm. And we settled for marketing. So right. for years I've been stuck doing something that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So finally, you know, it's like, just leave it. What are you, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it feels so good and so different, you know, because right. now it's like I'm me. Now I am doing whatever I want to do, and it comes from the heart. That's beautiful. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with marketing since I'm on the marketing panel. Not at all, not at all. college <laughs> tour. Uh, but no, you're right. It's, it is kind of like what's true to you as a person, and you are a summation of your experiences. You know, even even the fact that, you know, there's you had that constraint, mm-hmm. it still didn't, it took a little longer, right? Mm-hmm. It took 10 years of living that life to to kind of see where you wanted to to really blossom and who you were truly were. You're continually changing. Right? Yeah. I mean, if this is working, there isn't any wasted time right. or any false starts or, you know, it's all growth. You right. know what I mean? And I've come across some wonderful people along the way. Uh-huh. You know, my boss at Trigger, Jason yeah. Yem, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I learned so much from him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've you, like, you know, we were talking about, you just take pieces of people Along the way yep. in your life, and that helps you. Grow and you and leave transform. them some. I think. I think you, oh, yeah. you. We underestimate the impression or just the subtleties that we leave mm-hmm. in a room, mm-hmm. right? When yeah. we walk out Energy. of here. Energy. Yeah. Energy, man. That's really absolutely. awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I think all of this accumulates for me in an, in an understanding that there was great talent with not much opportunity. Right. It's the foundation part when I was a kid that I got very lucky because obviously Culture Club exploded. George came back. I got a big record deal when I was 16 or 17 uh, with very little skill and entered the music business and then, you know, over the next 20 years produced, worked with artists, signed to different labels. Right. But it always troubled me, you know, that the, a lot of the guys that I left behind, the brothers and sisters, were definitely more talented than me. There was no gray area. It's not yeah. like I didn't know, you know. I was good. They were better. Right. And this inability to be able to get through to what was in a very small, narrow pyramid, right? It's mm-hmm. like the, the idol model where you get one winner. You know, that's not really what art is to me. You know, we must create. Yeah. And and what I was interested in, there was a subset group of artists, George, John Galliano, Nick Knight, John Mabry, Vivian Westwood, who was kind of the grand dame, 
all of those people they've accepted lived in like a broken down squat and they all went on to change the world of fashion and yeah. art and, and you know literally run Dior or become the world's foremost photographer yeah. and seeing these people who were all influencers it was literally a talent house yeah yeah you know you could see it happening and they were brilliant creatives so I guess in my mind I couldn't see the difference between them and my brothers and sisters in the projects right you know it was just opportunity because these guys had access to St. Martin's you know amazing mm -hmm. places great teachers yeah. Um this is you can see where the pressure builds up right it's like something's not right you yeah. know I'm having this fairly amazing life and you know I'm still I'm seeing you know there was a there was a and you guys are probably a lot younger than me but there was a wave of crack cocaine that hit America and then England and it, it was into the ghettos and you know, nobody talked about it. It was all kind of like, oh, it's, it's a ghetto drug, you know? Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> human beings are human beings, you know what right. I mean? So we, we went through a lot of pain and suffering. You know, a lot of people died. A lot of people didn't fulfill their oh, potential. Yeah. Someone very close to me passed. And, um, and really to, to speed through all of that, there were two other key elements that lead to Talent House. The first was in 1988 in England. There was a, a dance music revolution. Mm -hmm. We call it EDM here, but it was a huge thing for us. We call it the second summer of love. And it was fueled by two elements, the Atari Cubase audio, which yeah. enabled us to stop going to labels and needing 100 grand to go in the studio and to start making mm -hmm. records. And so Massive Attack, Bomb the Bass, Mars, Pump Up the yeah. Volume, all of those tracks were cut in people's bedrooms. I just started sweating just from thinking of all those artists. Yeah, just hanging, yeah, right? Think about it, man. All of those guys didn't go I to labels. I just lost three pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you were jumping around, right? You had exactly. your glow sticks out. So the second part of that was obviously uh, MDMA. I've been sober for many years, so it's probably okay for me to talk about that. But what that did for the English is it enabled us to stop being so stuck up and upright and aggressive and everybody came together, right. fueled by music and this togetherness, which could have been called semi-synthetic, but it didn't matter. We ended up with 25,000, 30,000 people every weekend in fields right. in England. If you know England, you know it's a fairly chippy, cold, angular place where yep. everyone wants to be on the guest list and, and it all fell apart and everyone came together and for me I saw technology and a large group of people that's really what I came out of it with what a difference it made now it then turned into a business right, right. Ministry of Sound EDM what's happening in Vegas Electric Daisy Carnival it's a multi-billion dollar industry yep. that was started I know the EDC guys one of one of the original guys from real people who love music and wanted to bring people together. So you can see that the power of this idea, yeah. I'm sure when Mr. Zuckerberg was you know, in the dorm thinking, I can connect everyone, that now these things can become huge, world-changing movements. Well, and also I think mm. the difference is it comes from a genuine place, right? When, yes. I, when I think of what Talent House is, right, mm -hmm. part of me goes... When it, when I realized mm -hmm. how successful it was, I'm like, really? Like mm -hmm. because yeah. I feel like it's been attempted yeah. times before, yes. you know, uh, Deviant Art, yes. right? Uh, yes. Etsy, if you yeah. will, even mm -hmm. to hit an extent, yeah, yeah, hit record, yeah. which now you know it's a TV show now, right? Uh -huh. It's like right. So <laughs> it's 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 really interesting. Like there's there's the pivot, but then there's also um, uh, just the the authenticity. And, and the, the real passion for it. So, drive. Yeah, right. so, so what ha just kind of yeah. walk us through what your passion has translated to. Walk us through some of the successes of Talent okay. House thus far. All right, well, I mean, what, what happens with Talent House, and this, finally after that very long story, this part's really simple, right? <laughs> we got five more minutes. Really, no, really <laughs> direct. You know, Talent House, all it does is this. One artist 
invites artists to collaborate on a campaign or a competition. And let me explain. Everything we do in the creative world has a competitive element. I'll explain again. So I'm in a recording studio and I've got a track. I need a singer. I have eight singers come in. We all know that one of them is going to be the vocalist. I'm forming a band. I audition people for the band. You're an actor. You go to auditions. You're a director. You need a lighting cameraman. You'll call three different guys, right? And you'll look at their work. So yeah. we didn't create this in an artificial way. It's how creativity, collaboration works. So Talent House takes that. One artist asks others to collaborate on a campaign or competition and brand sponsor the collaboration. That's it. That's the magic formula of the company. <laughs> That's the part of me that goes, really? Like, why, why does why that work? Did, right. yeah. Well, I'll tell you, because this is the bit I'm missing out. I came out of music, and I was very fortunate to be brought in as a founder, an equity partner, and creative director of the first brand-integrated content company inside an agency. They all have them now, but this was called GUM, Global Urban Media at Saatchi and Saatchi. Right. Saatchi then were the third largest ad group in the world. Big company. Right. Not Versace. Uh, just, no, just, Saatchi and Saatchi. Right, no, Charles <laughs> Saatchi. No, I would have had more fun at Versace. No, actually, it was great. Um, and another guy, another mentor, and the reason I'm here, a guy called Lee Daly, who was the CEO of Saatchi and Saatchi under Kevin Roberts, who's the global CEO of the group, brought me in no one would have given me that job right i would not give me that job i mean i was a crazy guy with tv formats and albums out and running clubs and uh, i was pretty wild and he came and found me and said look you do youth market stuff which i didn't know right we right. never put a name to it he was like gen y i didn't know what that meant and the other thing he said is you develop ip i didn't know what that meant either intellectual <laughs> ip too he's like, he's like what are you talking about you know we just make stuff right? <laughs> people buy it we make it some of it works some of it doesn't um, and he asked me to come into the agency and he would bring in the brands and I would be left alone to do what I did. Bear in mind, I didn't know what that was. So I took this job, great job, 50 creatives, full agency experience. We had a whole building built for us in, in London, in Saatchi's offices. And you asked why it works. This is why. The remit from the bigger brand groups, Procter & Gamble, uh, a guy I met particularly from Diageo called Rob Malcolm, the CMO, great mm -hmm. guy. He came in and he said this to me. I had this whole presentation set up for him. And I had Goldie, you probably know from Drummer Bass, and yeah. all these people in the building ready to go. And there was a laptop like that. And he said, before you show me what you want to show me, what are the last three ads you saw on the internet? Exactly. <laughs> a killer question, right? Yeah. And I had five marketing people in the room and no one could answer the question. Now, by the way, that was seven years ago. I asked that question at United Talent Agency panel three months ago to 250 ad sales guys and one person could answer. Yeah. What it proves is that banners don't work. Yeah. That if you're searching, which you are when you're in the feed, you're looking for something, where I'm looking for you and you lead me to content, right? If I put something in your way, I, a banner, you will either psychologically or physically move it. Right. So you are not looking at this multi-billion dollar revenue business that just being pumped out. Well, Yahoo just right. announced that they were doing away with They're going to have to. Yeah. We, we were fortunate enough, that's the point you asked, why does that work? To be at Saatchi at a transitional period where I was paid to just look at that problem. Right. And because I didn't go to school, I couldn't over-intellectualize it. It was very simple. Right. So what happened is in 2006, MySpace happened. And of course, where all the analysts saw words like social media, and I just saw a rave. I was like, that's a giant rave, right? Instead of 20,000 of us, there's 100 million people, right. but there's no rules, there's no regulations. All of my utes, drummer, bass, bashman, dubstep, they were all flying there. That's how yeah. I heard about it. They were like, we're on this space. MySpace still, 
arguably the coolest thing that was invented in that medium you know and i know where it went but where it began and where oh, it, yeah. in the middle it was real you know everybody used it it was the beginning of the breakdown of publishing rights yep. and what happened is i was fortunate enough accident or god accident or whatever you call it to have a girl band inside asachi an r&b troupe that i was working with we made the first mobile soap opera pre kink natural we were trying all this stuff and we looked for a member through myspace hmm. and we got a thousand submissions but what mattered was everyone who submitted got their friends to vote so that was talent house i saw it and i was like ah hang yeah. on that's engagement mm -hmm. because every time your friend on Facebook like, you got a thousand friends we call them the dead community in advertising we can't do anything with them yeah. but if I can engage them to support you right then what's happening is I can attach a brand message to that engagement right yeah. how do I do that I get the brand to use some of their existing arts budget to sponsor artists so there's no pain in there right yeah well it's yeah. like the advertising becomes the experience right well exactly it, 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 wait a minute try this the I'll advertising try. becomes empowerment no, right. this is good when you ask that question because it no. makes me think, right? It's like, no, no, yeah. no you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. You know, and because I, I was also thinking of the world that Susan came from, where mm. it, you know, it literally was the experience, right? Like yeah. Spy, Spider-Man, right? You know, an augmented reality app that you guys yeah. had, had created, right. and and it was just it was a way of engagement. But I think you know this kind of runs a little bit deeper, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of giving these individuals the opportunity to Thousands be a part of, of a collection. Yeah. You got it right. So. Again, you think about what brands spend on the arts. See, this is the other thing that, that particularly, I think Run DMC did with Adidas probably before anybody I else. I just watched right? that video the other day. So amazing. <laughs> it was and a you great know, video. They didn't, it was all still images. Yeah, and they didn't do that to start with in any dodgy, we're trying to get Adidas way. They were wearing Adidas. Yeah. And I spoke to the chief marketing officer of Adidas Please, some time ago. And, Adidas on and the guy was taken to a Run DMC concert, the German CMO, right. and he saw a thousand kids holding up their shoes. And he right. was like, are we paying for this? And the guy was like, no. <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a natural thing, right? right. So what hip-hop taught us, certainly, is that brands weren't evil. Now everybody gets that, right? Because if you remember the whole indie thing, it was all like, we're not going to work. Right. But what's the difference between a record label and a brand? Right. I mean, I'd argue that if the label was run by Clive Davis or Jimmy Iovine, you've got a good argument, or Dre, but if the average corporate faceless music label is no, it's just money. It's like, we're going to fund you to do something, and these are our terms to get it back. So does the 18-year-old uh, in... Idaho, who's an amazing acoustic singer, care whether his record is made by Coca-Cola or by EMI? I don't think so. Right. I think that that's the change in, in the idea towards utilizing capital. But there's still is like art. a social construct of like selling out versus not, right? It's like, very interesting. What do you yeah. think about that construct? Do you think it's still the way it was? Uh, to an extent, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, kind of to your mm -hmm. point, like nobody cares where it comes from, but mm -hmm. once it becomes, you know, like I, I spent time at a company called Machinima, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was Great one of the company, big things. Yeah, and, and so the, the big thing was that, you know, they're, you've got these really organic creators who've built millions of followers uh -huh. just been doing what they do. And the minute they start selling Taco Bell, yeah. you've got this social construct where it's like everybody's like, ah, you know, mm -hmm. thousands of comments like, oh, you sold out. Mm -hmm. Even if even if it even if he did it in his own voice, right, uh -huh. to, to, to an extent. I agree with that. I think that, that the machinima thing was trickier because they were still looking at old-school banner ads, right, which is we got this great content. Can we put this crappy commercial up next right. to it? Or, or, you, or it could way. be brand entertainment, right? Yeah. Like if, you yeah. know, if uh, Toby Turner, right, does yeah. a, a literal trailer for Sony, yeah. you know, then it's... Um, there's still that divide of like whether his fans will like it or not. Or I think I, I know exactly is. what you're saying. I think, you know, we have... 
I guess we've been fortunate to have less issue with that because most of the brands that deal with us are very credible by yeah. the nature of what we're doing. You right. know what I mean? They, they, t- we, you know, we have an awful lot of inbound. We have 32 of the top 60 global brands yeah. working with us. But from my side, working with you know Adidas or Nokia is fantastic. Yeah, you know. What I mean? also think the difference yeah. in the yeah. way you guys work with the talent is, you know. You're commissioning a mass group of people yes. just to do what they do, exactly. right? You're not you're not going to them and saying, "Hey, nope. John, I nope. need you to create this," right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're like, if you want this opportunity, like, you got it. If you don't stuff. want it, that's cool. Right. You're absolutely right. I mean, look, the easiest way to think of Talent House now is we're the world's largest creative department. That's basically what we are, yeah. right? We got how large is large? Three point one million artists who actually take part in campaigns. That's the difference. We're not passive, so I'm not interested in a hundred million users. We're not trying to be a social network. I'm interested. In in a real community of people that actually create and we own none of their work that was right. the hard bit that was the, the bit when I was first raising capital investors were like well we're going to own it and I'm like you're not going to own anything so they're like yeah. well what's the point and I'm like you can own the rights to market it and you can own the rights to buy it right fairly yeah. but you cannot rip off or harm the community because I'm interested in building the great library of Alexandria mm. do you understand I don't want to have a knockoff social media. I'm not interested in any of those terms. I want to build a house for art right. that is safe for all artists and gives them an opportunity to be seen, to be heard, and to be compensated. You know. And later on, we're going to do legal advice and we have financial services. I mean, the whole thing is, yeah. is goes back to my time spent in the inner city projects yeah. and just thinking, how many Mozarts? You know, yeah. How do you know? It's a multi-layered service yeah. to the creative. So exactly, right? you got it. You got it. Thank and we you. had to begin with work. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little something. Yes, please. Uh, I'm gonna quote Drake. Everybody ready to mm. quote Drake? <laughs> Love Drake. Um, they take the greats from the past in comparison. I wonder if they'd ever survive in this era, in a time where it's recreation to pull all your skeletons out the closet like Halloween decorations. Um, <laughs> I want my question to you is is that true right would a boy George mm-hmm. survive if he came out today 100% and, yeah. and why so because we should use Drake as an example he's a phenomenal artist and art will always prevail right. everyone's like oh it's all over it's never over you know what I mean yeah. It's like, you know, this isn't something that, you know, there wasn't a golden era. There's just another era. So what's uh, what's changed from... It's really interesting the, you cited him, by the way, because that's a, a, you know, I'm sure you're listening to the stuff. Yeah. I got a 17-year-old boy, played me the album, and I was like, this is amazing. It is. It is Lyrical it, content. He's a great, yeah, I agree he's with you. I agree. Artist. He's a great artist. And uh-huh. I, I think he has, you know, a really poignant perspective on things. Uh-huh. And then he's like, he's hood as he wants, you know, mm-hmm. as he wants to be. And as Jewish as he wants mm-hmm. to be. So... Um, Two representatives <laughs> of modern culture. Exactly. Um, But do you think that that a great, like a Beatles would come through? That's what you're asking, right? Yeah, or just like kind of like what's different? Because I think artists have to do a lot more work now. That's what's different. You know, you can't can't just go play your guitar and like, oh my gosh, you're great. You have to like. Was it ever like that, though? The Beatles played for three years, three times a day in Hamburg for nothing. Three years. I mean, if you work it out, if you read Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, I don't know there's a number on the gigs, but it's like a thousand gigs for 50 cents. I don't think anyone ever got successful by accident. That's my experience of being around a lot of very successful recording artists. They were all incredibly focused, one way or another. Even if they may have seen Hippie, and these are still dudes that are doing 20 hours of work. And at the end of the day, 
as you cited Drake, again, what is it? It's the lyrics. Mm -hmm. It's the delivery. It's the way he approaches music. There must have been so much time that went into that. Yeah. You know what I mean? The Dr. Drake story, I don't know if you saw that interview with him. You know, he's a god in music production, right? And he was like, I just put in more time than anyone else. Right. I was doing this forever, you know? You've seen the stuff with him with the Jerry yeah, like, yeah. way, way before. And the, <laughs> the lip gloss and everything. Long yeah, time, yeah. right? And that guy, Michelle the a. founder of, you know, yeah. the West Coast sound of music that's influenced everyone. And so, again, I, I don't think anyone stumbles into success. So, yes, I believe that if you have the drive, the passion, and the commitment, the tools available to us now right. through social media make it better. Do you think um, there's a tendency, and, I, and I, I only pull this from another guest who was on the show, um, mm-hmm. who... His perspective was that the danger of right now is that we celebrate mediocrity, mm. right? Because there's, you know, you've got thousands of artists on on mm. a, on YouTube and like, oh my God, that was the best cover ever. And that person like can't hold a note. But to when, when I'm listening to the speakers on my computer and, you know, shitty sound, mm. it's like, ah, that was great. And Somewhere Over the Rainbow was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um is there a danger in that, or is, or do you still feel like the cream will rise to the top? Okay, so when you're talking about Drake level success, there will all, th- that level of quality will always stand out, right? Right. But what you just asked is a much bigger question, which is, okay, when I was young, we had to search for things, right? right. And the search yielded depth. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, for example, when I was involved in sound system culture, and you wanted early Jamaican reggae music studio one there were only two or three shops they were like 50 miles apart you had to be there at a certain time you had to get to know the guy at the shop it's much like when you I'm sure when you were getting educated in the old school where you had to read the depth of a book to understand why To Kill a Mockingbird is a great book my 11 year old daughter and my 17 year old son who I look to a lot to see how they're, they're absorbing things everything's fast and information is available. This young lady here, right? It's on the phone. You want to see something? You're like, okay, yes. let me see. I do that all the time now, right? Mm-hmm. You'll be in. The- Isn't it great that arguments have changed? Because no one can bullshit anymore. And then you do. We do this at the dinner table. It's exactly. like, no, you're definitely wrong. But the problem is possibly <laughs> that the the knowledge is not as deep. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Is that right. you don't have. So you have a thousand covers of. You get surface. You get. You got you, it. You get. You, and that's. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a danger in that, like because uh-huh. you, you know when you, when those individuals start creating, mm-hmm. their bar of, is lower. Right. Right. Or. The entire system of knowledge as we know it shifts. <laughs> this is a big, that's why I said you asked a big question. Right. Because if everything is readily available and I can find things fast and without the search process, the real search process, which is a college degree. Right. Really, what is it? It's a deep search process. Yep. You know, well, you don't need to use half the things you learn. What they teach you is how to learn. Yeah. Right? I must go further. I must go deeper. Well, I have my, I, yeah. Even last night, I have an eight-year-old, and yeah. I had her like open up a physical dictionary mm. to find a word. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you don't know what that means? Go, like, go look it up. Absolutely. You know? wow. yeah. Absolutely. So you're asking a very big question. What is the future going to look like in terms of knowledge? You know, what are our kids going to think like? I didn't even know I asked that question. Oh, but you did. Yeah. You did, man. Thank you, you. Knew, you knew you were asking. <laughs> you're giving me that guru business. <laughs> Let me just ask a sneaky deep question and see where it goes. So, carry on. No, um, so I, 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 as you've had all these ventures, I read there's a company called Bleach in a while back. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you've had these different ventures. Mm. Like, um, how all the iterations of you, how do you stick with? 
talent house, right? Because I think most okay. entrepreneurs, right? Good, like, good. They question. have their, you have creative, creative yeah. ideas about everything. Probably you mm-hmm. might walk in the grocery store and like, oh, these shelf talkers could be completely different. Yeah. Like, why isn't that your business? And I get that you're passionate about this, but no, like, no, it's a really good question. Um, so this is easily the hardest thing I've ever done. That's the, that's the first part of the answer to that. It's nothing like all the other things I did get hits or make successful brand content ideas or put together movies or they, they have a finite time, as you said, right. and they are what they are. And they, they're wonderful. And I will go back in time to doing stuff like that because it's, it's, in a way, a lot more pleasurable. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But um, like I said, somebody very close to me died and I, I wanted to honor them I wanted to build something they were an artist they couldn't express themselves coming from exactly the situation I was talking to you about and um, so when it started I didn't know it was this I was at Saatchi I knew we had to build it I took this by the way to the European Board of Saatchi and said look we need to build this because yeah. this is how we can connect with our brands and, and we can and, and they were cool they were very smart people and they said you need to do that on your own and of course if you've seen Jerry Maguire I was like, I'll do that. You know, and Who's my, coming with me? Nobody. <laughs> he wasn't even there. You know, I left my big office and my driver and my equity and, uh, and my wife, who was a, a VJ and a, a really successful daytime radio DJ, was like By the name of? Lisa Ianson, amazing woman. Okay. Uh, she's the first black woman on national radio in the UK, held down the lunchtime show for like four years, signed Jamiroquai, Tim Westwood. She's really Dope. cool. She was pissed off when I quit that job. Because I came back and I was like, I know what we're doing. And she's like, yeah, you're going back to that really nice office so we can keep our nice house. So just for, for anybody thinking about this, you know, in the, the two years or 18 months it took me to raise capital, we sold that house. You know, I funded everybody. I had all the wrong people. We got the money. I'd seen 84 VCs. I'd been to Saudi Arabia. I'd been to Miami. I'd, wow. I had like the journey you wouldn't believe. How much money did you put into trying to raise money? That's a good question. Around a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. By the time we that's, got through the house, it's quite and, a venture. Like, yeah, you know, just but to, you know what, man? To believe in something to that, you know, to that extent, it could also be that I didn't go to school and I was really stupid. Now think about this: we had a very limited way of thinking when I grew up. Like, when you were going to make a record, you're going to make a record and going to get on the radio. Right? Yeah. You know, hey, you can't see any blocks, and then all these blocks happen. But you're so focused on where you're going, you get there. Right. So I was like, I'm going to build a platform to liberate artists. I didn't know how. I knew that Silicon Valley was somewhere. It was like a vision to me. You mm-hmm. know? I thought it was like a new utopia. I thought you'd get to Silicon Valley and it would be like Woodstock. And like the Google guys <laughs> would be like, hey, man, do you want to use some of our technology? It's like the, and, Matt, the Matt Damon movie. Yeah. The one, uh, Elysium. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I thought it was like. So then when we finally got to seed capital, the condition was we moved to Silicon Valley. So I was ecstatic. And right. I took my kids out of school and moved to a crappy apartment in the middle of nowhere. My wife was furious. Uh, she came and supported me and uh, and yeah I found out it wasn't like Woodstock right yeah it's kind of like the music business in the 80s Silicon Valley it's full of guys getting bits of companies and yep. you know but there is true genius there world changing genius right I mean Google Facebook I adore the company what it's done yeah. and I was a huge MySpace fan in Los Angeles, I got to meet with all of these people. Krista Wolf, the founder of MySpace, did me the honor of joining the Talent House board. So the guy that I was influenced by in the UK now it advises awesome. my company. It's an amazing situation. Yeah. And, you know, you guys probably know this, but it's good to remind everyone that America is the most amazing free market democracy in history. I come from a, a country in Europe that has a class culture. And here... 
it's a very tough place, the United States, but anyone can be yeah. anything. And you really push that. You know, that, you know, you see it at work on the West Coast probably more than anywhere else. Yeah. Susan, just, where, where are your people yeah. from? What do you mean? Yeah, well, just being like American yeah. versus like a, the, yeah. the world perspective. Like, where's your family? Uh, we're from China. Yeah, whereabouts? North Tianjin. Uh, no, yeah, close fantastic. to Beijing, China. Lovely. Yeah, my boyfriend and I went to China just in October, and we went to four different cities. Wow. Yeah. Just so different from uh-huh. what you see here. You know, uh-huh. so family-oriented. Mm-hmm. Everybody makes food right. together. Uh-huh. Everybody's at the table together. Uh-huh. No, you know, texting uh-huh. and whatnot. It's... Strictly what you do from yeah. when you're like when you wake up until you go to bed. It's a family oriented place. That's, That's pretty fantastic. Awesome. It would be yeah. considered very bad manners to text at the table, right? Oh, <laughs> That's God. great. Oh, I, Half I, I, of them don't even have phones. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I think to your point, like the perception, right? At least now socially and what people are talking about is like, oh, China's the you know the place, and here you are, you know, coming from yeah. London, and you're saying America's the place. America's an amazing right. place, though. I mean, th- you just think about. The opportunities here and the system, you know, and and even the bad stuff, you know, what's happening right now in Congress with, you know, the blocking of the government, which is almost comical, right, if it wasn't so serious. But I just find America is a very young place, you know, and anything is possible here. And so there's there's all kinds of good and bad as there are in any cultures. But the the ability to keep reinventing itself and also always fixing things because it's had to, right? Because it's yeah. so, there is nothing to fall back on. You know, if you think about where we are, we're in desert, right? That it's turned into the city, and, and in Los Angeles' case, that city's built on the creative industry, and that's amazing. Yeah. Right? That the entire city is built around places like this, around creativity. I advise everybody to go look at the Creative Economy Report. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Otis College puts it out every year, and they do a big event. They did it yesterday, uh-huh. but then they they fi- they do this findings of like the creative industry's impact on everything you know mm-hmm. the billions of dollars like when a movie is built we think about the actors and the producers and but everything. not everything nobody thinks well nobody thinks about like the guy who had to sweep up uh-huh. the you know the sound stage yeah, the riggers or and the, the lighting exactly. guys and the caterers exactly and, and all the the uh, utility bills and all that kind of stuff um as we wrap up um what is your innovation crush Aside from me, but what are what are some things that you are looking at <laughs> in the marketplace that you, you blew say? it with you, man? I was going to pull that one out to the end, and now you brought it out here. I can't even say anything because you. Well, this goes for, this could go to both of you too. Like a, you yeah. know, what is what is your current innovation crush? What do you see out there? After like? you. After you. <laughs> You're our guest. <laughs> um, the first thing is I'm kind of a luddite, so uh, you know I've been with Mac because of recording studios my whole life. Right. So I love Apple and. Uh, by default, what they do. This is not really technology, but I got to tell you that the Beats pill, right, which yeah. I bought for like all my friends, is probably the coolest small speaker system ever invented. I mean, it looks great, it sounds great, and you can literally put it in your pocket. Um, beyond that, I'm very, very into motor racing and cars, and huh. so I'm extremely into technology and engineering, and uh, I've had a long history with cars and crashing them. So, uh, so my innovation crush would be... You still have all your limbs, though, so you look, yeah, you look yeah, 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 flexible. Yeah. Okay, but the, the, the tech-based stuff, most of it is, uh, is utilized in modern technology and fast cars, right. so I'm very, very interested in that. Got it. Mm. You have one, or, can I, or you want me to move to my next thing? No, I have one. Oh, okay, good. Uh, mine <laughs> has been since I've quit my job. I've done a lot of cooking, mm-hmm. photography, sewing, yeah. just, you know, going back to DIY. So Pinterest, Etsy is a huge uh, place for that. And uh, my innovation crush is to basically take something that you've done before in the past, like traditional housewives, and like moving that into like 
tech. That's a great idea. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, speaking of segues, mm-hmm. this one <laughs> this one goes just for you. Uh, breathe in this conversation. Everybody, you want to take a deep breath? Everybody. <sighs> Collectively. Um, and complete this phrase for me. Uh, innovation to me is... Gross. Adaptation. Growth and adaptation. Mm-hmm. Those things go mm-hmm. well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, expound a little bit. Well, we've got this really finite time here, right? Yep. I mean, on this planet, not during this interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't believe that our energy is finite at all. So what we do with this this very brief flash of period that I'm calling Amos, right? right. You're calling, you know, whatever you are and whoever you are is really fueled by one thing, your ability to grow or not grow. Right. So, you know, I understand that life is frightening for me, for us, for all of us, right? And so the tendency is to stick with where you're safe. But as you said, you know, there is no comfort there. Everything you're going to experience is going to be outside of your comfort zone. You know, building this company, us sitting down and talking and not knowing each other, yep. the date you're not sure you're going to make. So innovation to me facilitates growth, right? Yeah. So Tumblr, I love Tumblr. Yeah. You know, and I love seeing all this art flying and different people involved. And, and growth to me is the key to your existence on this planet. You're either growing or you're dying. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's really it. You can get, you can get, you can get lit too. Anybody co- want to come talk about what this uh, lit college story is? Yeah, come on. Tell come on, get up here. Yeah. Don't. There's gonna be a, a huge white space on the sound yeah. thing if you don't. <laughs> when is it? What is it? Um, the the abbreviated version. How do you sound? Do you sound weird in in headphones? Hello. Nice. You sound great. You're gonna introduce yourself. Tell us a little about yourself. Okay. Hi. My name is Gracie Lopez. I am a student at CSUN for broadcast journalism major. So we are putting on Lit College Tour. It is our target area, our college students. We mm-hmm. want every college student uh, that here that hears about us to come and just basically network themselves, network mm-hmm. themselves with various college students who also have the same interests as them. And we have reached out to professionals who are in the marketing, media, entertainment, um, engineering industry to come and talk about the, um, how they got to where they are, how they got to be their position that they hold, like CEOs or, you know, whatever their, mm-hmm. whatever their position is, and to mentor the students that right. are, are going to be there. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. Well, the mentor thing is what we're talking about. It's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And um, you're doing that, right? I am, yes, so I am. So you're going to be a mentor? I think so. It's I don't a know what responsibility. Are you ready? Yeah. Big saying. responsibility. <laughs> this might yeah, be a bad move. It <laughs> 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 won't be a lit college tour too. <laughs> Remember that dude that ruined it? Um, <laughs> How can how can people find you, uh, Amos? Mm. Are you on the Are you, you on the can Twitter? Find webs? me at Amos at talenthouse.com. You can send me an email. You can find me through the platform. You can find me on Facebook. But you can find me, and uh, I try and respond to everybody. Great. You know, we got some people on that helping because it's getting a bit crazy. But you know, people responded to me, Great. so I try and respond to anyone who reaches out to me. Thank you for responding to Innovation Group. Fantastic. Thank um, you. Where can we find the College Tour? Lit College Tour, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and our just at Lit College Tour, L I T College Tour. L I T. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. This has been another, this is actually a really fun episode of uh, Innovation Crush. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. All right.
like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.